Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. And this is Love to Tell the Story. In times such as these, the best thing we can do as people beloved of God is to keep an attitude of joy and faith and love as we seek to be imitators of Jesus Christ. Well, that's the subject of today's message, which is based on Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And this message starts with some memories of my own journey of faith. You know, folks, for me, the seeds of faith were sown early on. Church certainly had a whole lot to do with that. I went to Sunday school. I was part of the youth group. I played bass guitar and sang in our church's junior folk choir, led, I'll have you know, by an expatriate Greenwich Village flower child. And in lieu of choir robes, and it being the 70s, we wore these incredibly cool hand-embroidered muslin tunics as direct evidence of that. Moreover, I was raised, I was blessed to be raised in a family where faith was gently and genuinely expressed in church and out. It was no accident, and I've shared this with you before, that at most of the family gatherings I recall while growing up there was music being played And inevitably, that music included, yes, I got in trouble for describing it this way last week, but I will say, yes, we sang the old hymns. (laughs) Even to this day, dear friends, I cannot hear just a closer walk with thee without hearing my father on the piano and my Aunt Louise singing. You know, actually looking back, there are many incredible people defining moments over the years that had a role in shaping and nurturing my faith in God. Just as the beauty and the wonder of nature and the unending grandeur of creation had such a profound impact on my worldview, how I came to approach life itself. For me, the warmth of a summer day, the smell of wildflowers growing on a hillside, and as John Denver used to sing, and so did I, Sunshine on my shoulders made me happy. It was in and through all of this and so much more besides that God became for me much more than some nameless, faceless entity out there in the cosmos, but rather someone who was very real and very present to me in my life. This is how I began to discover that Jesus Christ was more than simply the lead character in a series of familiar Bible stories, more than just the baby in the manger, but in fact, someone who was a teacher, a savior, and a friend, my friend. Friends, I remember times going out sailing when the power of a warm summer wind billowing out the sails and pushing my little boat down the pond with a force I couldn't see and that I could not truly understand. And I would find myself wondering if this might have been, maybe, what it was when the Holy Spirit came to the disciples like a mighty rushing wind. 
And the best part of all was realizing that all of this had everything to do with the life, the universe, everything, and me. Little by little, you see, I was becoming utterly convinced that I was loved by a God far greater than anything I could possibly begin to comprehend. And that somehow, some way, that same God had chosen me, me, for purposes I hadn't even begun to dream. What an incredible, powerful, life-altering feeling that was. And you know what, folks? Almost every single day of my life, I wish I had that feeling back. Now, do not misunderstand me here. This is not to say at all that I no longer experience the presence and power of God in my life, because I do, truly, honestly, all the time. I feel it in the ministry that we share in this congregation at East Church. There is a palpable sense of the divine in the times of joy and in the time of sorrow and grief that we share together as God's people. It's there in the miracles, both large and small, that are part and parcel of our daily lives. I know that God is there with me in the midst of it all. There's never, ever, I think I can honestly say, been a doubt in my mind about that, even in the more difficult experiences of my life. It's just, you see that there was something in the faith experience of those days long ago that was clear and unalloyed and not muddled up by the challenges and all those all-too-gray areas of human life. <laughs> but then you know what I'm talking about here, right? I mean, who among us? has not wished at some time or another, maybe you're wishing it right now, that we could just go through our days without so much else. Relentlessly pulling at us, prodding at us, poking at us. All the worries. The worries about finances. The worries about the future in general and retirement in particular. Worries about our health concerns. Worries about the welfare of our children and grandchildren. Worries about the utter uncertainty of these very strange days we are living in. There is, I dare say, for most of us, if not all of us, times and situations when life and living can become so overwhelming that we give just about anything to be reminded one more time of that greatest of affirmations, that we are beloved of God, that God has chosen us, that God has sought us out for something real, something dynamic, something fit for the kingdom of heaven. I think that's why I have gravitated so strongly to our text for this morning that Gail shared with us. The very beginning of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, which is, in fact, just such a reminder. It was a reminder to that 
community of early Christians, but it, was, it is also a reminder to us 21st century believers. A reminder that God has reached out to each and every one of us through the Holy Spirit. And that God has named and claimed each one of us through baptism. And we know this, for as Paul has proclaimed it, because the message of the gospel came to us not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. What this means, friends, is that God wants our joy to be full, desires that our thirst be quenched at the well of living water, wishes that our hunger can always be satisfied with living bread. And so, you see, God seeks to give us that experience of power and presence, that which will connect us to the divine in our own lives. For me, as I've said, it was found on those afternoons, sailing on the pond or playing guitar on a grassy hillside. Maybe for you it happened in and through a worship experience at a wedding or a funeral or on a Sunday morning that hit you in a way like never before. Or maybe it was revealed in a relationship with another who opened your eyes and your heart to something bigger than yourself. Or could it? Be maybe it was that inexplicable moment of chaotic or that inexplicable moment of clarity and peace amongst the chaotic. That sense of peace that came when everything in your life was at its most stressful. However it unfolded for you, you recognized You recognized it as a sure and certain awareness connecting you to the source of all joy in life. The assurance that you are both beloved and chosen by God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you see, the the thing is, we all need to be reminded of that sometimes. So, as it turns out, it was for the Thessalonians. Biblical scholars tell us that this particular epistle to the early church in the Greek city of Thessalonica was one of the earliest letters that Paul wrote, if not the the earliest. And it was essentially a letter of encouragement. Paul, you see, had been instrumental in bringing the Thessalonians to Christ. And in many ways, they were the very model of everything that this new community of believers was meant to be. In fact, these people had this incredible reputation for a strong and steadfast faith. Biblical commentator Sarah Dillon Brewer writes that the Thessalonians' faith was, quote, known such that there was no need to speak about it because it was lived out with consistency and with integrity. In other words, Brewer goes on to say, they didn't shout about having turned from idols. They lived it in a way that always proclaimed God's lordship in their lives. But here's what happened. This new church now was facing all manner of political and social turmoil. Not to mention all the persecution that goes along with it. 
The Thessalonians had felt this incredible awakening in their faith. They, they felt that surge of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They were convicted in their faith. No question about it. But with suffering, then, taking the place of rejoicing on a daily basis, when trouble always seemed to be coming their way, it was becoming a struggle to hold on to that which had inspired them in the first place. And we understand that because that's what happens to us. And that's what happened to the Thessalonians. And it is the reason why Paul goes on from this affirmation of these Christians being chosen of God to declaring that they're also supposed to be imitators of Christ. Actually, what Paul says here is you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And that's, truthfully, pretty typical of Paul's writing. And I know it kind of comes off in a way sounding as though he's saying, you're doing what I do, and when you do what I do, you do what Jesus does. And so everything's great. But that's actually not really what it means. The original Greek in this passage, in fact, suggests that to be an imitator of Paul or Christ means that you keep the faith. And you're keeping the faith in spite of persecution. In other words, rather than rolling up into a ball and hiding from the difficulties and the challenges of life, you're continuing even amidst the worst that life has to dish out to receive with joy what God in the Holy Spirit has given you. What What matters is not that bad things happen or that the stresses of life just keep piling on because, yes, they do. And yes, they will. What matters is that in and through it all, you keep an attitude of joy and faith as you're seeking to be an imitator of Christ Jesus. What we too often fail to understand, you see, is that the defining moments of our faith, the mountaintop experiences of our lives, if you will, They're not supposed to be the end-all, be-all events of life. But they are meant to be the moments that inspire us in the rest of life, that inspire us to be imitators of the one who gave us the experience in the first place. We're beloved of God in Jesus Christ. We are chosen of God. But... We are chosen so that in whatever follows in this uncertain nature of living, we might be empowered to bring the word of the Lord to all those around us, to be equipped by word and in deed to share the love we have received, to share and to give all of that love that we know for certain is real, so that our joy may be made manifest in everything we do. To put this another way, friends, the trick in dealing with seeming hopelessness in this life is to inspire hope in others. That is, to share the very hope that we've been given. And the key to finding hope in a bitter and hurting world is to be imitators of Jesus Christ in those places of sorrow. To be able to say to others, just as it has been said to you, 
You are the beloved of God, and God has chosen you. This is a ministry, a ministry that each one of us are called. And it is a ministry that has the same effect of throwing a pebble on the surface of the pond. Those ripples the pebbles create will grow and grow in ever-expanding circles until it touches every shore. Have no doubt about it. In his book entitled Don't Cry Past Tuesday, the author Charles Poole asks the question, do you look like God? And as odd a question as that might sound, friends, he goes on to explain what he means. He says, well, they just got back from the funeral home, picking out the casket, setting the time for the service. You had cleaned their house. You cut the grass before all the out-of-town family started coming in. And for a minute there, you look just like God. They had just gotten her home from, from the surgery. They got her in a bed, and then they heard the doorbell. You were standing there at the screen door with a casserole, biscuits, and a pie. And when they got the door and they saw you there juggling your Tupperware and your pirate dishes on the front step, you looked just like God. Oh, don't worry, Poole goes on to say. They know God doesn't look like you. They're not going to worship you. They're not going to confuse you with the Almighty. They know that God is not like you. It's just that sometimes you're just so much like God. When you are with people for God, when you greet someone with the embrace of unexpected acceptance and unearned affection, when you listen, listen, listen to them, and when you hold them up and befriend them, they're apt to look up at your face and by golly, it looks just like the face of God. So what do you think, friends? Can it be said of you that at least from time to time you look like God? You are beloved of God. That much is for certain. And it is true that God has chosen you as his very own. You know that. But the question is, it, it always is, can you open yourself to the inspiration of God's Spirit to live out that great and glorious claim in a world that too often piles on the difficulties and, and spins way, way, way out of control? Will you leave this place today to witness to God's love and acceptance in an ever more exclusive culture? Can you embrace the joy even when there are those around you that the world seems to shut out? People who prefer to hang on to their anger and let everybody know it? Can you change the world if only a little bit? Can you be an imitator of Christ Jesus? Let me tell you something, folks. You have no idea how faith will be renewed, how much good you're going to do for others, certainly, 
but also for yourself. Just by imitating Jesus Christ. I hope and pray that as you leave here today, you'll try. And that as you do, as we all do this week, that our thanks is unto God. Amen. And that's the message entitled, Beloved of God, Imitators of Christ, which was recorded during our September the 26th service of worship at East Church. Now, as always, we'd like to invite you to join us for in-person worship at East Church, which happens every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Or, if you prefer, to join us live online via Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. Either way, we'd love to have you be with us, and I look forward to greeting you. And with that, we come to the close of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.